You're listening to the 50 by 50 podcast for the young at heart woman who is looking to get the most out of life as she steps up to 50 and beyond. Hey there, it's Rochelle Marie. Welcome to this episode of the 50 by 50 podcast where today we are talking with the lovely Vivian Berryman all the way from London. Haven't forgotten the London piece. Uh, and I'm excited to have a chat with her today because she is a very, uh, I want to say a really bubbly, lovely person. Um, and that's just from the, the few conversations that we've had leading up to now. Uh, so welcome, Vivian. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, great. Thanks, Michelle. That's lovely to hear that I'm bubbly. That's sweet. Um, yeah, so I am a, I'm Vivian. I am a life coach and um, I feel that I am at a great age to be a life coach actually yeah so the first question that I would love for you to talk about is uh how, how you see yourself at this age and you mentioned you're a life coach but what is your like what is your identity and and mm. so who do you identify as at this age because I know it can change a lot throughout our life yeah okay that, that when you sent me the, the question I, I thought, oh, wow, you know, that's that's quite a tough question to answer. Mm. Um, I would say that I have I'm I feel the most content that I've ever felt. Mm. And I think that that's quite a lucky feeling to have. Mm. Um, I feel that I've got a better sense of myself mm-hmm. and I feel confident ab- about my being myself and where I am in life it's like um when I decided to become a life coach it was a light bulb moment and it and it really was like I was saying to myself oh finally I now know what I can be when I grow up literally like oh excellent this is it you know this is this has been it sounds cheesy to say my calling but when I figured it out basically I coached myself on what I should do for a living and it turned out it was to be a life coach and I thought (laughs) how ironic but okay um so I feel happy I feel really content um and I've got a better sense of myself and I think that's partly because of my career um Mm. you know I've had a varied career throughout my life and never quite um I I often say to people it's like you know when you have to fit a square peg into a round hole it's like yeah you can make it fit but it's not quite comfortable and it's not quite right and or like a jigsaw puzzle and you're sort of squishing the pieces together because they don't quite fit um so yeah feel it's like oh good okay you know I didn't know this is where I was going to be at age 51 but here I am and it's it's good yeah yeah awesome Mm. um so I there are questions I have in there, but I think if we move on to the next question, some of those questions will get solved. So I'll mm-hmm. wait until the end of that and then we'll see if I still have questions. Uh, and so that is around the, the events or the circumstances that have happened in our lives. There are so many of them, particularly by this age. We've been through a lot generally. Uh, and I think when you look back, there are one or two points that you can say, yeah, if those hadn't have happened, there's no way I would be who I am today. I would be on mm. a completely different path or I would be 
you know, I would identify as a completely different person. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd love you to talk about what those points have been for you that you can look back now and go, yeah, that was definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good question because I think that um, there are things, usually major things that happen in one's life that alters the path, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you thought you were going left, but now you're going right. Um, so one of them is my parents divorcing when I was young that was major because I was young and witnessing the the um let's call it unhappiness in your parents marriage um so that and and also in the normally in a traditional traditional divorce um your mother gets custody but in my family my dad got custody so I think that immediately set me and probably my family, you know, my brother's off on a, on a slightly different path um, because, you know, as, as a woman, I didn't have, um, you know, my mum for, for guidance for, you know, how to become a woman. Um, and I became the matriarch in my family mm. from a young age. So I really feel that that was uh, a factor in me not wanting children okay. because I felt, oh, I was sort of helping to bring up my family, yet I was the youngest and I was the only woman. So I really feel that that was a, um, a major factor in, yeah. Mm. Um, and also um, my mum wasn't very present in my life after she left. Mm. We didn't have much contact. And then she died when I was 18. And so you know, that another major thing that happened in my life. And I, you know, I, yeah, so that was something else. And that obviously changed, I guess. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how it changed. I mean, obviously losing a parent is losing a parent. It's not, it's not great, but, you know, I didn't have a, a close relationship with her. So, you know, it was um, shocking, but she had already sort of left my life so um so there's that um but I did take from her my sense of independence um so she was always a very strong-willed and physically strong woman and so I've definitely got that from her but also having the sort of childhood that I had I had to be independent so um I think if my parents hadn't got divorced if my parent, you know, if my mum hadn't died, well, she was young, she was in her early 40s when she died, and mm. um, then I would be different, my life would be different, you know, I don't think I'd be in as independent, or I wouldn't be as independent, um, who knows whether my mindset would have changed as to whether I wanted children, I don't know, I can't say. No. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, I think, how what you're taught early on in life can form who you are or can stay with you um, and I like that I am extremely independent I like that I've always been a confident girl and growing into a woman um, and um, you know in in hindsight was it good for me to be a matriarch of the family so young no but was there a choice also no so for me it's like well 
this is my life. This is what I've got to get on with. I've never been someone who's sort of looked at everyone else's lives thinking, I don't have that. I don't have that. It's like, well, yeah, I don't have it. So what do I have? This is what I have. This is what I get on with. And I'm not saying that in a very sort of throwaway, oh, it's all been fine and it's been smooth because it hasn't. But, you know, it's, it's that's what that's what I've been dealt. So that's what I get on with. Mm. And hence why, you know, all of my life experiences, you know, me going back to the beginning of our conversation about how being a life coach is great at my age now is because I've lived through a lot of different experiences which when my clients speak to me, I have, you know, an understanding and an empathy because it's not necessarily me saying, oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've been through that. I wouldn't bring myself into my client conversations, but um, I get where they're coming from, which, you know, even you said when you became a life coach in your thirties, you wouldn't necessarily have had that experience. So it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. That's a, that's a big story. And um, I have a few questions in there. One is, and this is just from my curiosity, because my parents are still together. They're actually celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary this mm. year. Uh, and, but I am divorced and remarried. And so this is, you know, purely selfish questioning. Uh, what did it teach you? So you've, you said it taught you, or, or you, you feel like it probably had an influence on you not wanting to have children. What did it teach you about relationships? Yeah. Um, that's a good question because I've actually been married for 22 years. So <laughs> it's obviously taught me something good. Um, okay, it's taught me to respect the person that you've married or that you're in a long-term relationship with um it's taught me well partly my husband taught me this is to not raise your voice at one another because it doesn't solve anything it just probably makes the situation worse um I mean my parents did love each other until they didn't love each other so um they there was a great sense of fun between them but um fun and adventure but yeah, with regards relationships, I think that for quite a while I was probably looking for a sense of safety in relationships when I was older and a sense of, um, not that I wanted a man to save me, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's a healthy type of relationship to have because you're imbalanced. Um, I think I've always wanted equality in a relationship. Um, so yeah, so that we're each other's equals. Communication is key. That, you know, and that can be in the simplest, almost complicated ways. I think if 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 you've got a good way of communicating together, then you've probably got a better chance of um having a healthy relationship. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I think I'd have to think about that question for longer. Mm-hmm. No, that, well, I mean, that's some good insights just there. Uh, and, mm-hmm. I, and I do like that you can see the, the good sides of your parents' marriage as well as the mm-hmm. breakdown um, and learn lessons from both sides of those because I think not always, but a lot of relationships 
they definitely start off well. There's certainly good intentions there. Mm. And at some point something happens that, that you know, they fall apart through. Um, and, I, and I do wonder whether as children, and I guess it will depend on age as well, but as children, whether you get to remember the good parts or only remember the bad parts. So I'm glad that you were able to bring both parts into yeah. your experience. Yeah, um, for sure. And then the other question that I had is just sort of you talked about, uh, you know, being this age and having been through a lot of life experience and we bring this knowing into uh, the coaching world. And I also know that coaching is about the other person having their own answers and I've, the, the split between the knowing, which I think is really important, the knowing of experience and keeping the advice and the judgment and how you would approach things out of your coaching um can you just sort of talk around how you uh how you feel about that for a start and then mm. you're able to, to do that with yeah coaching? so what I have found interesting and something that when I studied to be a life coach it it's not you don't really get taught it but you do talk about um, not to be judgmental. So you're not taught how to not be judgmental. And I, I hadn't really given it much thought in, in terms of whether I would be or wouldn't be, but I find it easy to not judge because I think, you know, a big part of being a life coach is, is not to judge, is to let that person just be themselves. Um, because we know in our non-work life how we might judge a mate or a mate might judge us, right? And it doesn't help if you're trying to ask for help, you know, if... if um... So in my work, being non-judgmental is easy because it really, it takes myself, you know, it's almost like I, I take myself out of, you know, I when I say myself, I take the true Vivian out of um, the coaching the coaching scenario and I am there as life coach Vivian it's almost like a slightly different persona mm. and I like that I can give my whole listening self to the client I like that I can get lost in what they're telling me rather than bring in my sort of outside thoughts let's say because I'm actively listening um so if a client is talking about oh you know I really want to change career but it's so scary it's so scary um I don't know where to begin um I don't I wouldn't ever jump in with like well this is how I did it and I don't know why you can't do that that's <laughs> not helping um you know I would ask more inquisitive questions as to why they feel it's scary etc if I felt that there was, well, I would, some, I do sometimes ask permission, can I bring myself into this for a moment? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just checking in with them, if that's okay, yes, that's fine. And I might, I might give them like a little scenario of, well, when I changed career, I felt that, but I did this. Mm -hmm. um, or let's say they weren't talking about career, but they might be talking about a relationship or something else that I might have had a, an experience with or 
so again ask their permission and, and I will give them a little scenario I am very aware that their hour spent with me is for them so I I don't like taking up their space with me because that's not why they're paying me mm. um but I know because I've done it with clients that they say oh thank you so much for sharing because now that's given me a different perspective and they realize oh it's okay you can try it and fail or you can try it you've learned and yes that's been great and it's been positive and it's you're still living you know you're still smiling it's fine if I do xyz so um I think I know that I don't coach in the very traditional way of coaching Mm -hmm. I'm I'd say I'm more personable and there's a yeah I'm much more sort of personable and and I'm I'm warm and sometimes I you know I will say to someone you're being really hard on yourself and that that isn't necessary or I will say it sounds like you're needing permission to do the thing you want to do and if you need me to give you that permission just for you to start on that journey you've got my permission which might sound a little bit odd to other coaches but it's like you know what the relationship I have I know my client well they trust me they've come to me for the way that I coach so you know some other coach might disagree tough luck because you know we're all different human beings and I can only coach the way that I know to coach and you know the way I coach is part of my personality I'm not I'm not a Jekyll and Hyde you know I think if a client met me on the street they'd know it was me I'm not some other completely different human being yeah I love that I, I think that illustrates well um something that I've that I've come to realize over the last few years it just in business uh and in life in general really is that you I mean this is an old cliche but you can't please all of the people all the time you're not no. meant to right you're meant to hmm. uh attract the people that are on your wavelength um and by definition you're then repelling the people that are not on your wavelength and yeah. that's perfectly okay yeah you know you if someone says to me oh but they don't like me I'm like right but do you like everyone that you've met no so and we can't like everyone and we can't expect everyone to like us because we're not all the same mold Mm. um we all have different upbringings different outlooks different and I I do believe like attracts like Mm -hmm. um and you know, we, we hear a lot about, well, you've got to find your tribe. And as, you know, cheesy or cliche as that is, I believe it. Like this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I, I spent it with some great friends, female friends, um, you know, different sort of almost like different sets of friendships, but amazing women, right? And I just thought, wow, that's wonderful. I have these incredible friends they're all different, different ages, um, you know, all sort of 40 plus, but, um, but just great women, good, mm. fun conversations. Um, and, and I've, it just makes me feel really happy that I have those friendships because that, you know, as well as having um, a good marriage, it's, also important to me that I've got this other balance in my life of of great friends who know me well will be honest with me if I 
I don't know, say something out of line or step out of line or, you know, if my viewpoint is a little bit skew with, they're going to challenge me on it. And I think that that's what you should be able to do in great friendships is be able to question and challenge, but also support and be there sort of um, unconditionally if they need you. I'm not saying that every single one of my friends, you know, we all see each other in, in that way, but I've got a core group of female friends who, if the shit hits the fan, we are all, how can I, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? What do you need? Mm. Mm. That that is like, what a gift to have. Mm. Um, What you just described is how I describe a leader, which is interesting, Mm. the similarities and what, you you know, that, that you, uh, you should be able to challenge your team and vice versa. Your team should be able to challenge you uh, and that you're also there though to support and guide and, um, you know, be there for each other. It's a, it's a two-way relationship being a leader mm. and a follower. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, okay, so that's, that's one really um, strong piece of your life that has shaped who you are today is there any other points that you think I mean I've I've lived abroad I've traveled a lot and I think and also my you know my dad was English and my mum was from Zimbabwe so I've got a mix of cultures which I love um and I think that that it, it can't not um influence my life right you know just a different a different yeah two different cultures and I I have strong ties still back to Zimbabwe where my aunts are and I've got an amazing bunch of cousins and we live all around the globe but we are all in touch thankfully via whatsapp so that's that's wonderful um and I think I guess just having different careers has slightly shaped me but I say shaped me but I realized that you know the sort of in 2018 when I decided that what I was doing wasn't right and I needed to look for the thing that was right for my career, um, that I looked back over all of my jobs and thought what was the sort of common thread running through them. And it was how I form relationships with people, colleagues, you know, and, um, and how people always come to me for advice for support for help um and I thought well there's something in that and also I've always had a strong intuition which helps now in my job because it's sometimes what people don't tell me is what I hear which sounds odd but you you know well you'll know this but it's the body language, it's where their eyes go, it's the change of tone of voice when they're talking to me. It's, it can be the, the hint of someone in their conversation, but they won't exactly tell you the relationship they have with that person, but you know that that's a major factor in, let's say the angst that they're having or the why there's a block on why they can't do something. And I find that my intuition is really helpful in sort of, you know, finding those little curious questions I need to ask to get that person to open up Mm. um so I'd say that you know I guess I've always been in tune with my intuition and throughout all of my jobs that's helped and that 
really helped when I was figuring out and doing the soul searching I needed to do to work on what is it I you know I basically I remember sitting at my desk in my old job thinking I know I'm capable of more but what more is that and then that is the question I kept asking myself in 2018 to figure out uh, okay it's the life coach it's to be a life coach so intuition is an interesting concept and uh, I, I used to struggle with it a lot trying to understand what the difference is between intuition and fear and a, a, a myriad of things I think it, it can be very confusing for some mm. women um, men I don't even know I don't even know how men operate to say how it is for them <laughs> um, but, um, how would you describe how how can you sort of hear your intuition above all the other voices that we tend to have as women around um, guilt or fear or anything else? Mm, I think, I mean, an easy way of explaining intuition is gut feeling, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, everyone will have a gut feeling, but I think that there are different layers. And I think, say, you and I who've got, you know, our intuition is on the surface, right others um it's dug deep so their gut feeling would be they've walked into a dangerous situation so that would be very obvious to them right in their gut they're thinking oh okay this is a dangerous situation to be in right um a silly example would be you're on the motorway and you want to cross the motorway and you're not using a pedestrian crossing right stupid example but that's you know a very obvious example to understand Mm. so your gut feeling is telling you I'm on the edge of a motorway and I shouldn't cross it because there are cars that's you know going down the road at 70 miles an hour it's going to be dangerous um but for someone whose intuition is at the forefront I just think that we are extremely present with our um antennae like it's a sort of a sixth sense it's we are we listen I think years ago if someone had said to me what does actively listening mean I probably wouldn't have really got it Mm. but now that I'm a life coach it's so obvious to me Mm. that you an easy way of explaining that would be you listen to every word you don't you don't sort of tune out Mm. and think about yourself or think about what's for dinner you are hanging on every single word to what they say because that's where you get your clues so I guess it's I'm trying to think of a silly analogy of of what that is but it's just it's completely being in the moment and sort of having those spider senses you know the volume you've turned up high on those um it's exhausting it can be really exhausting if I've had a few clients in one day I don't want anyone to talk to me in the evening um you know it's like just I need my brain to just rest um and you know how I see that is like a feather falling you know how a feather sort of fall gently it's like that's what I need my head to do just like let it rest because like you know if you're talking to me it means I have to listen and I don't have any more space in my head for that um so yeah intuition I it's interesting you bring you know do men have it they obviously do but I think um it probably depends you know on their own personality I guess or um, maybe what they do for a living 
Um, yeah. I don't know, but um, I, I think that that gut feeling for them would resonate. Like if you said to them, "What's your gut feeling?" They they might be able to come back with something. I think for most men, and not all, there's definitely some. But the intuition is a um, not a logical, concrete enough concept for men's brains. Um, and again, that's stereotyping. But I, you know, I can certainly think of a number of men that I could say, "What's your gut feel to?" and they could tell yeah. me. Um, but if I said, "What's your intuition?" they'd look at me weirdly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm anyway. I'm lucky. Like you know, my husband has. I don't know if he'd refer to it as intuition, but he's really good at listening. Mm. Um, and I know that from a work point of view, I used to, I've worked with him a number of times over the years. And I know that from obviously being married to him. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good listener. Mm. Um, and now that I'm a coach, I notice when I'm out with people, it really annoys me if they ask you a question and they don't listen to your answer. Mm. Mm. I, I'm like, hang on. You would just ask, you know, why would you not listen? And I, mm. I find that quite, well, not quite annoying. I find it very annoying because <laughs> I think, well, why are you bothering speaking to me? But, um, but I realise in a social setting, obviously, it's you know we do speak to one another differently, and we do interrupt and we do talk over. But, like, you know, I had lunch with girlfriends yesterday, and, um, and I took two of us are coaches and I noticed how we listen differently to my other two friends it's interesting it's almost like we it's like not the shutters come down that we're not listening but it's like we tune ourselves out and it's like oh my friend's talking I'm gonna listen you know I'm not often in a social situation basically we're waiting for that person to finish talking so that we can jump in and talk and say what we want to say but obviously, in a in a professional point of view, we you know as a coach, you would never do that. You just mm. let them talk and talk and talk. Mm. Um, so yeah, mm. so intuition. It's it's yeah. I feel like I sort of. It's almost like I crank it up and bring it to the forefront when I'm with clients, and then I can just let it sort of disappear into the background when I don't need it. But. Um, yeah, so I suppose it's like spidey senses and just being completely in the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely hear that the act of listening it brings your, allows your intuition to come become clearer. And mm. um, and I, you know, I believe that active listening is a skill that you can improve upon. Yeah. If you yeah. have the intention of doing so, most mm-hmm. people don't have the intention of doing so. Uh, and for me, I think meditation and the ability to focus really helps to hone the act of listening. Um, just that ability to, like, you know, when you're at, when you're meditating, for me, it's focusing on my breath and mm. noticing my thoughts, and then bringing back to my breath. And I feel like that's a little bit of active listening um, practice in that oh, I'm having thoughts, let them go, come back to the conversation. Oh, I'm having thoughts, let them go, come back to the conversation. And over time, that becomes easier. Uh, Yeah. You know, your thoughts aren't crowding you as much, so you've got more space to listen. Yeah, I've never been good at meditation, but I realised that I've found a way, a workaround, let's say. Mm -hmm. And it happens when I'm swimming. um, That I was funny enough telling a friend yesterday that, 
um, when I swim, and sometimes I have swum really long distances, you know, I've been in the water for hours, um, the, the thoughts I have are extremely repetitive. I will have the same five thoughts going round and round and round. And I think that that is my brain's way of meditating, mm -hmm. that it's not letting everything cloud my head. The other is I've realized um, now, since I've been doing Pilates for the last, I don't know, five months or something, that I'm in my Pilates class for an hour. I'm concentrating on me. I'm concentrating on my breathing, concentrating on what I'm doing. And so I'm really, yeah, that is, I'm bringing myself into myself when I'm doing that. So I think those are the two ways that I meditate. But the mm -hmm. thought of me just sitting still, even for five minutes and focusing on what's going on in me <clears throat> and my head. Oh, God, no, couldn't stand it. They're just, they're, there's no, that's like a spaghetti junction going on. Couldn't <laughs> do that. But when I'm swimming and, and Pilates, it kind of happened when I was doing yoga, but I never really got into yoga. So um, yoga to me is just to fall asleep in a warm room, which isn't the point. Um, so yeah, if someone says, oh, you know, why don't you try meditating? And then they recommend a meditating guru or whatever to me. And then it's like, I don't want anyone speaking to me. You know, don't, I don't like their tone of voice or I don't like their accent or whatever. So that again, you know, interrupts me and I'm like, no, okay, forget it. So I realize, okay, yes, I just need to find my workaround of meditation. And that's a really important point is meditation. There is no one way of doing meditation. There's a lot of yeah. ways of doing meditation. And so I think, um the the you know the way that I'm doing it at the moment works for me it never used to I used to hate it um it works for me right now and it's quite prevalent in that you know like you said lying still for five minutes and listening to someone's voice or breathing um but just because that's prevalent don't stop there if that doesn't work for you I think there are like swimming is a perfect example of mm. meditation um walking you can meditate and walk nice. like just being in the present and letting your thoughts go um you know whatever way you can do that is fantastic it, it just helps you bring yourself back to the present which I think is I think is the point it's the point for me yeah. anyway <laughs> but I think we all need a space you know a space mm -hmm. to just be mm -hmm. actually I often say to my clients when was the last time you just let your thoughts uh be fully thought through mm. which might sound an odd thing but my example and this is because I live in a city um to me one way that I let my thoughts be sort of thought through is being on the top deck of a bus staring out the window mm -hmm. okay so for you and you know the beautiful weather that you have it might be you sitting on your porch just staring off into the horizon right um it's when we are uninterrupted and just being I don't think that society lets us be like that when we have busy lives or when we live in a city or whatever I think for those that live in beautiful countryside probably are allowed to just think freely because they don't have the hubbub of noise going on around them but it is so important that we just you know, we don't have music blaring through our ears. We don't have a podcast going on. We don't have the sounds of a city. We don't have 
someone calling our name all the time, you need to just switch off and be. Because I, I feel it's that's how you restore your inner battery, which perhaps sounds a little bit odd, but we need to recharge that battery um, to, I guess, you know, bring our sense of self, you know, back in and sort of like, oh, it's that, um, I suppose, a visual deep breath or a visual sigh or, you know, that it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's also interesting where studies have shown that 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 space is important for um, innovation creativity even productivity if you're pushing yourself to continue working 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 without that um, breathing space then you're actually less productive than if you stop and take the breathing space and then restart again later so um, you know while we often celebrate in this world the busyness and the hustle uh mm. it's actually not giving us the best results and um yeah taking that time to breathe is actually yeah. what will bring us much better results in the long term oh 100 100 yeah it's it's you know if you're constantly on that treadmill you're never stopping to experience mm. what you know um or noticing what you need to notice um so yeah it's very important to have that alone time let's say great okay what is something that has surprised you about this stage of life I love that question um and I would say it's how young I feel in mind outlook and body actually I think if you had asked 18 year old me <laughs> what it would be like being 51, I would have probably scoffed and said, oh, God, that's so old um, and grey and cobwebby and, you know, boring. Um, but I'm none of those things. Um, I feel probably the fittest that I've ever felt, I think um and almost the fishes of all myself um and I feel um yeah young I think which I don't I mean I you know I don't want to say that I'm immature I'm mature but I feel um zingy and that I just have a great outlook on life and I'm sort of, um, yeah, I've got, yeah, both hands on my life. That sounds very strange. Um, but basically just like fully, I'm fully living my life. Mm. It feels good, mm. you know, and I keep thinking, oh, you're going to jinx it, but that's a ridiculous thing to say. And that's what us humans are always, you know, we are always prone to assuming that if we feel good, that something crap is going to happen. That is not always the case. Um, so I feel positive um, and I feel healthy and happy. And that's something to be, yeah, something to celebrate. Yeah. And, and like you said, surprising. Um, mm. I think even you know certainly now I know my stepdaughter who's 20 I can't keep up with all the kids 22 
22, just turned 22. Uh, and yeah, she was talking, and I think I've shared this story before, but she was talking about an old guy that had come into the cafe where she was working. And I'm like, wait on, wait on, wait on. We can carry on with this story. Old guy, like, what are we talking here? Like 70. Mm. And she's like, oh, no, you know, like 30. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, 50 is definitely still seen as old. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it is surprising, I think. And, and it makes me wonder, what am I going to feel like when I'm 60? And what am I going to feel like when I'm 70? Because, yeah. yeah, when I was 40, I certainly wouldn't have thought that I would feel like this at 50. Now, I mean, I've, you know, we say that life begins at 40. And before I reach 40, I thought, oh, what does that mean? That's baloney. That's just some sales sh- spiel. <laughs> But when I got to 40, my life changed in terms of, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Who am I? What do I want to do? And with some friends, we started doing triathlon. So that that kind of altered my thoughts on fitness. And it got me back into swimming, which is something I do love. And I don't do triathlons anymore. I got bored of them. Um, But and then, you know, now I'm in my early 50s. I've got friends who are older in their early 60s and I was hanging out with them on Saturday night and I'm like yeah cool you know they are as you know they're not no way near fuddy-duddy right they are living the lives they want to live and having fun and um they were talking about the gigs they were going to and um it's I I am looking forward to getting older yeah partly because I can get more eccentric and um scoff at the youngsters but um but I'm just like yeah what else is there out you know what out can't speak it's too early in the morning for me um what else is out there for me to experience and get hold of so you know bring it on really and I think we you all we should all have an older person in mind to aspire to not necessarily oh I want to be that person but just look at what they're doing, look at what they're achieving and why can't I too be like that? To anyone who is younger than me and they complain about being old, I just want to, you know, shout at them because you're not. No. You know, and really what... Sorry, I was going to say my grandparents uh, lived till 90s and right. when they were 70 and 80, uh, they consistently told us kids, their, their grandkids, that they were just approaching middle age. Mm. Uh, it wasn't until kind of mid to late 80s that they conceded that maybe they were getting old. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and they they lived a full life of, of tennis and bowls and yeah. swimming and dancing. They were big dancers. Yeah right until that's amazing my friend was showing me um, this woman in her Zumba class they were celebrating her birthday and she said to me how old do you think that woman is and I was like well I don't know 62 64 and she said no she's 90 and she was dancing with proper rhythm and did not look anywhere near 90 and she's going to Zumba every day yeah or every other day amazing fantastic and that is how we should all that's what we should aspire to be 
I think if you start bringing negative thoughts into your head about, oh, I'm creaky, and, oh, I'm old, and oh, I'm 50, and you know, life is over, well, then your mind is going to carry on acting like that, and your body's not going to, you know, give up. Don't. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to swim the channel at age 70, swim the channel at age 70, just train for it. Um, but I mean, you think about those, you know, there are amazing older people who were doing massive hikes, running the marathon, doing, I don't know, amazing things. You mm. just find the thing you love and enjoy, mm. do it. Do mm. not let your age be a barrier. It's, it's, that is ridiculous. Mm. Why? Mm. Mm. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, last question. What are you looking forward to the most right now? Love that question. Um, I am looking forward to going on holiday in a couple of months' time to Spain to get some proper, proper sun. Um, we're going with friends and they're lovely friends, so that's great. And um, growing my business, actually, it's, it's hard work being self-employed but I can't imagine doing anything else. And, you know, I'm lucky that I have found the thing that I am good at and that I really enjoy. And I am looking forward to getting busier and learning more and meeting incredible people. So yeah, that's what I'm, you know, I, I hadn't, when I set out to be a life coach, I hadn't considered the types of people that I might meet mm. along the way as mm. in terms of clients. And that is, a joy to me that I get to meet so many different types of people that I wouldn't have ever met and I that's what I look forward to actually so yeah growing my business meeting amazing people and getting some proper sun on my skin (laughs) (laughs) I mean just the idea of travel is exciting to me so I can definitely feel that one and and the sun after your um, reasonably long winters in England yeah uh, and I'm totally on board with the people that you meet when you're doing the when you're following your passion um, yeah. the people that you meet are so inspirational uh, and uh, yeah just I, I, I yeah, completely on board with that I love it cool. uh, can you let everybody know anyone that wants to look you up where is the best place to find you um, I'm going to say Instagram, actually, or mm-hmm. um, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is is my name. And Instagram is too. I've just sort of made it more complicated on Instagram because we like to complicate our lives. Yeah. Um, so uh, on Instagram, it's life coaching by Vivian. And it's life underscore coaching underscore by underscore Vivian. And LinkedIn is you know Vivian Berryman so that's how you would find me beautiful all right we will pop that in the show notes so if you want to see that in writing you will be able to see that in the show notes uh and otherwise I just want to say thank you so much for your conversation today it's been really fun oh thank you so much Rochelle I've really enjoyed it and your your questions are are great because they're really thought-provoking um and they're not the sort of standard um podcast interview questions I love them so it's, it's been really good and I look forward to um sharing it also with my cousins in Australia because then they'll get to know about you as well (laughs) yeah fantastic awesome okay uh thank you for listening if you've got all the way to the end and I will see you next week thank you so much for listening to the 50 by 50 podcast I'm really glad you're here 
If you enjoyed today's episode, could you rate and leave a review? This really goes a long way in helping other women to find the podcast. Also, if you have a question about turning 50 or making the most out of life, email me at rochelle at herleadershipway.com. You'll find that address in the show notes and I might be able to address it in an upcoming episode. And I'll see you next episode.